You're listening to a Tsunami Faithful podcast exclusive. Welcome, Tsunami Faithful listeners. I am your host, CJ. It's just CJ here today, and I'm with a very special guest, the one and only Kira Buckland, the voice of Rami Sugimoto in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Diamond is Unbreakable, and a few other uh, popular Toonami characters, but we're kind of going to stick with JoJo in here. And Kira, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. I hope you're doing well. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm always excited to talk about JoJo. It's my favorite series. (laughs) It's a lot of uh, Toonami fans' favorite series, too. They they can't get enough of it. They've been so excited since uh, Part 5, uh, at least Aaron. All, obviously, all of them, but especially when Part 5 came out. But since you say it's your favorite uh, series, I'm curious, uh, what made you a big fan of uh, JoJo? And what made you enjoy it as much as you do? I honestly kind of got into JoJo by accident. It was just one of those things where some of my friends were watching it, and they're like, oh, you should check it out. And at the time, I thought... Maybe it wouldn't really be my thing, but I decided to give it a shot, and the rest is history, I guess you could say. Um, I don't know. I just really like the art style. I love the storytelling. I love the way that it's so different from pretty much any other series out there. Um, I love all the music references, just everything. I I can only imagine, because I know the stands and the... Not necessarily the names at first, but just the stands in general really caught my attention with how they kind of pop out, especially when it comes to this series. It, it's so unique. I love it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so when it comes through, like when people talk about JoJo, they usually talk about, you know, part one, part two, all these different story arcs. I, and I'm so I'm curious on your end, what is your favorite? And this can include the manga like st- that hasn't been adapted in the anime yet. But I'm curious, what is your favorite part of JoJo that you've uh, ingested or consumed so far? Well, I think it's really hard because I love all the parts very much. Part six is obviously very special to me <laughs> in a lot of ways. So, I mean, I guess if I had to choose one, I'd probably go with part six. And second favorite would maybe be part five. But I feel like that changes all the time. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, it, it's funny. Usually you get that kind of response when it's like, what, who's your favorite character your voice to you? It's just like, oh, I, I don't care. I, I want to talk about just the parts themselves. They're so fun. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so since you did mention part five, you know, that was a big one that, uh, Toonami, uh, got, cause a, a lot of people weren't sure if it was going to come, if it was, you know, going to be longer before it started airing stuff like that. And I remember watching it on the simulcast part, uh, the sub version, at least so far, and it didn't really resonate with me for some reason. Um, really? yeah, it, I don't know what it is. And I think it's more of just my bias with how, of a previous part that I just, love to death and i can't uh i can't wait to like rewatch like all the time but for some reason part five didn't quite resonate with me as much uh i don't know what if it if it was journal the lead itself if i wish that more like returning characters came in i don't know if it was uh not as uh i want to say like hit you in the face kind of thing like previous jojos did and that's just me i'm not saying it, it isn't but i'm curious uh not necessarily your pitch but give like someone like myself someone uh more of a incentive to maybe check it out again and give it a second try normally i mean i pretty much am with watching it uh dubbed anyway but i'm curious if there's like something that i may be missing and then others who might not be as fond of part five as other parts well i actually think it's really interesting that you mentioned not being a huge fan of part five when it was animated because those of us who have been around the jojo community for a number of years and when you know it was like not a lot of the parts were animated yet 
back then people would always say like, oh, I don't like part five or, oh, I think Jordan was a boring protagonist or whatever they would come up with. And the general reasoning that a lot of people didn't like part five as much back then was because the only available English translation was an unofficial one. And it was like, I guess not very good. Like it um, didn't really get the personalities of the characters accurate and certain really important moments were not really translated to have the same intent as they did in the original Japanese version. So a lot of people at the time would complain about part five and like Jojo groups on Facebook and that sort of thing. But then sure enough, everyone said, well, when it becomes animated, you guys are all going to love it. And they did, you know, so um, I think the translation in the original manga, like that people that was their only like way to read it unless they spoke Japanese, then that kind of put a lot of people off from it. But now that, you know, obviously there's an official translation and it's animated and stuff like that, a lot of people really like part five from what I've seen. But that being said, um, I know there are some Jojo fans who kind of feel like it goes too far away from like the Joestar bloodline, like the earlier parts. Hmm. And to for me, I think that's kind of like an interesting welcome change. You know what I mean? Because then you kind of go back to the Joestar bloodline with part six. And then after that, it's, um, well, spoilery <laughs> stuff right, happens right, that right. kind of throws everything off again. But, um, you know, I think part five kind of seeing, you know, something that's so interesting is the fact that Jorno is essentially the son of both Jonathan and Dio when you get down to it. And, you know, you would maybe kind of expect that he would be like Dio, but he's the protagonist, you know, he's the one that you want to win the fights and stuff. Um, you know, I think it's, some people feel like they felt Jorno maybe wasn't quite as interesting as the other Joe stars in terms of being the protagonist. But what, how I kind of see it is um, Jorno is kind of like the one who's just like, I, I just want to like do this. I want to meet my goal. And the others, like the other gang stars are the ones with the crazy personalities and the really unique, you know what I mean? But if they're mm -hmm. all just crazy, it's kind of like you don't have anyone there to ground them. So I feel like Jorno is kind of like the strong leader essentially um towards the end of it is you know it makes sense to me but um you know because like you have characters like Narancha who are just like off the walls or mm -hmm. like Mista who's got all his little quirks and stuff yeah no I, and I, it's funny because I I do see your point with Giorno with you know maybe some people not really taking to him compared to like other Jojo leads I actually like him because he's very uh like He's intelligent, but he's like battle ready kind of intelligent. Like I really like his thought out, uh, his thought process when it comes to finding people, especially like right at the beginning when he hid a pistol in the banana with the mob boss. I thought oh, that yeah. was I thought that was super clever and really cool. I I don't know. It's just it's at least for me, and it, like not to again put any other opinions down on it. And like I said, I'm gonna be rewatching it and reviewing it probably <laughs> when the time comes. It's just it was one of those things where it just. I wouldn't say it didn't feel like JoJo, but it, it did. It it's like it did and it didn't at the same time. And I think you kind of hit on that too. So you think it was more based on just the fan translation and potentially like people's idea of what Giorno should be as a combination of the Joestar and Dio bloodline. 
Well, I think the reason that it's different is more just because um, it doesn't follow quite the same format as, you know, some of the earlier JoJo's where it's like, okay, you have someone who's directly descended from one of the earlier Joe stars and then they have like their bro, which is like maybe the Zeppeli of that part. And then they have like this evil villain they have to fight. And then, you know, um, like it's kind of like. I don't know. It's just a little different because, like, it takes place entirely in Italy for one thing, which mm. I actually think is really cool. Um, you know, you still kind of have like the villain stand users of the week type of thing, but I feel like the the stand users themselves and the stand abilities and just the way everything is executed, I find it really creative. And like you mentioned with Jor- like I I love Jorno actually. Like I think he's like you said he's very clever. He's very um determined in his goals and things like that. But I can see where some people, you know, I I think the people who just want a protagonist who's like really um I don't know how to say it. Like <laughs> just gets involved in in a lot of stuff and you know shows a lot of their feelings and stuff more outwardly i think they'll really like part six. Oh, ooh. well don't worry i have a uh, we'll we'll, be, we'll discuss a little bit of that at least later on with it but yeah. i guess kind of to finish it off at least not necessarily finish it off with part five but just you would you say journal's the reason the series kind of shines and like what makes it's it really everybody. special? Really? Like I feel like it's it's all the gang stars that really make part 5. I mean obviously, you know, the the villain is interesting. It's, you know, that's a whole concept that you don't see with the villains earlier in the series. So, I think that's pretty cool. Um the stand there used to be memes about how much it confused everybody, especially in the manga. <laughs> I feel like when it's animated and properly translated, it's like, okay, like the way King Crimson works makes sense, but um you know, I know people would always say, like, I don't get it. The standability is too confusing back then. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I really think it's just like the the main cast of characters and how they interact with each other that really makes part five for me. I can't say for everybody else, but mm-hmm. that's what I really like. I actually remember uh, I have a family member who is very very big jojo fan and, and even he was like oh i actually don't understand king crimson at all <laughs> so no that's a good boy uh have you been I, I will ask this have you been able to catch the dub at all apart i do not i have um cable tv so uh, okay. all i can really see of it is just like if somebody posts a clip on twitter and tags one of my friends who's in it or something okay well no i was just i was just gonna say like for me personally i think uh ray chase has been doing a phenomenal job as um God, I, I always have trouble saying his name. The the one with the zipper, Bruno Bucciarati. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's been he's been killing it with that. And not to say no one else had, but I, his his performance definitely stands out to me the most. Which I'm sure you're accustomed to hearing when it comes to a colleague like him. Oh, of course. <laughs> uh, he can basically do no wrong in terms of having a great performance. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, I think the I I think the biggest thing that I'm curious, at least with you, considering you are such an avid fan of JoJo, what would you say are the biggest strengths and weaknesses of the entire franchise, like of the entire property from part one to like part 100, you know, if we get that far? Well, I mentioned some of the strengths, just like the artwork is incredible. Um, for anyone who reads the manga, which I do highly recommend, you can see the way that Araki's art style kind of evolved over the course of the series. So if you look at the really early stuff like parts one and two, you can kind of see that almost like Fist of the North Star inspired style. And then um, starting like maybe more midway through part four and so on, it's kind of like this, um, you can tell he was inspired by like fashion and 
um, things like that. And just like the way he draws his characters kind of evolved into more of his own style, I guess you could say. Um, we actually have a panelist for the Jojo panels that I would run who kind of went into like Iraqi's artistic inspirations and gave this whole presentation on it. And it was really cool. Um, I also, I just love the concept of like stands and the fact that each stand has a different design and a different ability, because I feel like you could essentially make a series that goes on forever as long as you have new ideas for stands and more classic rock albums to listen to, which is always a great thing. Definitely. Well, it definitely threw me for a loop when there was finally a few that I realized off where uh, like uh, the Pillarman with ACDC. I was just like, wait a minute. Wait, wait, it just kind of took me for a bit. And I just I always find that uh, really enjoyable, <laughs> especially when you figure it out when it's like, oh, it's the joke. It's like a almost an in joke kind of thing. Yeah. And some of the censored names for the releases outside of Japan were really funny, too. Like, especially Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap. I did like that. And, yeah. <laughs> um, it, what would you say is something that JoJo could improve upon, too? Since, like, obviously nothing is perfect. I'm just curious if you do think there's something that you would like to see uh, for the future. Well, I think one thing, and this did kind of improve starting part six, but I would have just loved to see more strong, diverse female characters early on in the series because Jojo actually has a really, really big female fan base. I'd say it's probably about half just from my experience in like, you know, the various communities and stuff like that. So, you know, we obviously love the characters regardless, but, um, you know, I think especially a lot of the women were really excited to see like whenever there was a female stand user. And then especially when like part six happened, we're like, yes, female Jojo and stuff like <laughs> that. Um, you know, I think in some of the parts, the female characters, even if they're really important to the story, kind of take more of like the role of like a sidekick or something like that. And people just want to see them be like super badass and fighting with their stands and stuff, just mm. like the, the male stand users. Do you think Trish reached that level for you at part five? Yeah, I think Trish was um was really well done. Like, you know, compared to where she started off and you're like, oh, dear, what is this? And then, um you know, by the end, when she like realizes her strength and you can really see how brave she becomes and stuff. I, I think um Trish had a really good character arc and development. Awesome. No, I was just I, I could. That's something that I've heard a lot, at least with like more strong female characters in Jojo. So I was just curious because like. Trish kind of, we just, re, like, Toonami fans just recently saw her kind of coming of out party where she gets to use her stand. So I was curious, like, wait, do, I hope Trish counts. So, like, I, I, I actually did like her, too. Yeah, she absolutely does. Oh, that's awesome. Well, as much as I would like to talk about Part 5, Part 4 is my favorite. Uh, so far, Diamond Unbreakable has been such a blast. And the fact that I got to revisit and, like, review it for Toonami Faithful was honestly one of the greatest things I could ever ask for because it made it reinvigorated my passion for Jojo like it was just it blew me away uh and I'm curious just because uh you know you're such a big fan of Jojo what was it like being cast for such a central and important figure as Raimi because Raimi is freaking awesome in that show yeah so I would have not expected it you know kind of my thought because of course I was like oh I want to be in the Jojo dub and stuff like that but you know one as we mentioned there weren't a lot of female characters and two I was like well it's okay I'll, I'll save myself to hopefully audition for Jolene like it'll be fine whatever um, but when I got the casting email for Raimi it was completely out of the blue because generally how a lot of castings work for stuff like anime it's one of two ways either you audition along with you know a bunch of other people usually you have no idea who else is auditioning um 
And then maybe you get the part or maybe you don't. Usually you don't um, just (laughs) because of the odds. But sometimes for characters that aren't like one of the main, main characters, they will just cast somebody based off their previous work with that client or that studio. So um, they had just like I got an email from the casting director basically saying we want to cast you as Remy Sugimoto. And I literally like screamed because I was just not expecting that at all. You know, I, it wasn't like there was an audition or anything like that. It was just like, hey, we just want to bring you in for this. Because, I mean, she obviously, I think, knew I was a really big fan of JoJo. And I don't know whether that helped or not, (laughs) but hey. (laughs) Um, And especially, like, watching her story, I was so moved. I really was seeing it, like, go from the beginning where she starts off as this, like, kind of playful ghost in a sense. And then, like, where you find out how she became a ghost, how she ended up saving Rohan and just... All the emotions that flood in once Rohan figured everything out, like it's it was such an emotional and amazing moment. I'm sh- like, did you like? Were there any parts in part four that kind of grabbed you like that, where you're like, oh my god, I'm gonna be like a part of this that you've known for a little bit from reading everything? Well, there's so so much <laughs> uh, stuff in JoJo that just hits you in the feels. I mean, part four, a lot of the fans are like, oh, good. There's like not it's not like all your favorite characters die for once, finally. And then we get to part five and they're like, ha, 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 <laughs> too bad for you. But, um, you know, in part four, I, I liked that kind of, you know, it was more like they're daily lives going about Morio and encountering different people, some of who were stand users and the whole dynamic with Rohan, I just think was hilarious throughout part four. But like with Raimi in particular, it's like, you know, she seems like sweet and playful and innocent and stuff. And then you find out she has this really tragic backstory. And when you think of like a girl her age, having to watch all that, having to go through all that, like, of course, it makes sense that she would not be able to rest and not be able to be at peace until her killer was brought to justice mm-hmm. and like I don't, like i said i don't know what it was because like when i first saw her, i was like oh she's pretty cute she seems really cool i wonder what her stand is then all of a sudden you get wait where's your stand like wait a minute and it just kept going and, <laughs> going and you're like oh no oh my god yeah but no i just i don't know what it is like part four i love morio t- i love this aesthetic i love the setting i love the color i love what david production did to bring it to life like and again, not putting down, you know, any of the other parts like five, one, two or three, but it just it really popped for me when it came to Diamonds Unbreakable. Did you feel the same way when you were like kind of seeing it unfold a little bit? Yeah, I think so, too, because, um, you know, it's interesting. Like, did you first see it with the anime that I'm guessing? Yes. No, I haven't. Re- my brother uh, is actually, you know, buying the manga and reading it and showing me. And I'm like, oh, my God, this looks so cool. Like, and it's it almost looks like they took the manga and literally put it in TV in, in the TV. Right? Like, it blows me away. So I'm just again, you're more of a seasoned vet than I am with Jojo. That's why I'm like, wait, am I crazy thinking that way? <laughs> No, I I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, I am also really impressed with David Productions because I feel like they keep it really true to Iraqi's original art style for the most part. And, um, you know, for me, it was just like a very interesting experience seeing stuff animated for the first time. And I think there was something like really special when you read that part years prior and then you're like we finally get to see this animated like part five you know one of my good friends who's probably the biggest jojo fan in america because i cannot claim credit for that um (laughs) i will fully give the crown to her on that one but um you know she'd been waiting for part five for like years and years and years and years and years and she's like it's finally happening and we get pink giorno 
That's awesome. I, I, I will say too, uh, I loved, uh, J- like for Diamonds of Break, I loved Josuke's design. I, I think he looks so cool, especially the hair, even the hair. I, <laughs> I really liked it. And I think what really stood out to me with part four, um, besides the, com- I felt the comedy was really spot on with it too. But Oh, what, absolutely. What really hit me was their villain, Kira. And I know yes. it's kind of ironic considering you have the same name as him, but what I really <laughs> liked, it, it blew me away because I did not think anyone could even remotely get close to Dio's kind of shine. And that can be a good and bad thing. Like Dio is such a monumental villain, like of anime oh, manga all time, like all time best, all time best. And then all of a sudden, you know, we have a new challenger into the arena with Kira and I love him. Oh my God. He's so good. He's he, I wouldn't put him above Dio, but he's literally like at his eyesight. And I just, I think it blew me away that, uh, Jojo was able to bring the fandom another fantastic villain in Kira. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, at least, like what what are exactly your thoughts when it comes to when you're describing Kira and like why he might be just as pivotal as like Dio when it comes to the fandom? Because I I really feel like he's made a mark that I would never expect from anyone other than Dio in that franchise. Well, first off, I mean. I like him because he's basically modeled after 80s David Bowie. And, <laughs> you know, I'm very obsessed with David Bowie. He's my biggest creative inspiration. So, um, yeah, obviously, I love the fact that there is a character with my name who looks like Bowie. Um, I also just really like Killer Queen as a stand. I think part of it is because it's very cat-like. But I just also think it's a really cool design and, like, the different abilities that you see it have and stuff like that. Um I I mean, I think as to why he appeals so much to the fan base, there's there's a few different reasons. I mean, I think part of it is like he's just so unsettling in a variety of ways, because if you think about it, a lot of serial killers, even like the ones that you see in live action movies and stuff like that, they're very much like. I'm I'm just a normal guy. I'm just going to go to the office and live my life and not draw any attention to myself. You know, most of them don't go around bragging about the fact that they're a serial killer. They might seem like charming or quiet or handsome, you know, whatever. And and then his essentially secret life is, you know, especially with like the hands, like mm-hmm. how how messed up, how creepy is that? And even just the little details, like when he goes to the bakery and he like puts the hand in the bread, I'm just like, mm-hmm. what is this? Which it's actually funny because I went to a um, like Jojo themed cafe bar type of thing called Bardio when I was in Japan. And um, they actually have that where they bring you a bag with like a fake severed hand in it if oh you order God. that. That's so cool. Yeah. Oh, my God. And was there anything else besides just the unsettlingness? Because, like, you're right, because he was just, oh, man, did he put the hair on the back of your neck up? He really did. Yeah, and even just the things he does, like, with the fingernails and stuff like that. And then you see, like, the whole interaction with, like, his father. And there's just, like, so many things where you're like, oh, this guy is, like, terrifying but also fascinating. Um I don't know. It's it's also just kind of like the whole there's almost like a murder mystery element in a way to part four, I think, mm. too, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, no, I totally agree, especially when he leaves his first body to then go into the next one, too. It just keeps kind of and usually like when you see stuff like that, it feels like it's drawn out. But then all of a sudden you're like, no, 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 we kind of want more like we can have this go on for a little bit longer. I loved it. It was so good. Yeah. 
Uh, I also feel like we just like Iraqi completely trolled everybody with the ending (laughs) there because people wanted this really satisfying end for the villain. And (laughs) yeah, nope. I I feel like that was probably the best way even to even if 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 some people are like, oh, it could have been a lot like more dramatic, things like that. I feel like that's just Jojo in a nutshell right there. Yeah. Uh, and considering that you've mentioned, you know, Killer Queen as an example, like how much do the like the stand names really influence like your particular uh, fandom when it comes to Jojo? Because I like like we've been saying throughout this interview is just it's so unique. And I think it's just absolutely brilliant that it's like, well, why don't we just name things after, you know, rock bands and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like um it just depends because a lot of the name stuff in JoJo is kind of happy coincidences. Like, for example, you know, we talked about the villain being named Kira, who's like the David Bowie villain. And then you have a David Bowie stand in part seven called Scary Monsters. And that's the stand used by the character I consider like my JoJo husbando, if you uh. will. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just, again, I, I, I'm very I'm in awe of the kind of uh i guess you could say the mind of being able to pull all these different types of stuff and then make it relate really well through pretty much the entire franchise i think it's so cool i i, I really oh, yeah. do um, i feel like it would be so hard to keep track of all these different abilities and decide how they would balance out in a fight but one thing that i think is interesting because there's this whole scene you know not to get too much into part six but there's a whole scene in in part six where the villain of that part is asking Dio about like, what do you think is the weakest stand you've ever encountered? And even when Dio tells him, he's saying, but like, but it's still terrifying. Like, even if something is considered a weak stand in terms of power. And when I've talked about my stand ability, people are like, well, that's pointless until I explain like how it could actually be very terrifying if you, mm-hmm. you know, used it a certain way. I, that's, that's really, oh, I never actually thought of that where it's just like, it really does seem to, like, stands seem to really put everyone on equal terms. You know, I never really thought of it. Even like when you go back to the second part with Joseph with his uh, Hermit Purple, it's like, that's still super terrifying because he can find you. It's just Or just get a selfie of Dio. <laughs> that's the, well, I mean, who wouldn't want that? But it's, oh, it's just, that's a very good, I never thought of that. That's really interesting to think about. I think I might actually want someone to write an article about that. And I think I know who. Thank you. <laughs> uh, that's really cool. Um, and since you've been mentioning it, I'm super excited for part six. I really want to see it adapted. Could you give fans a little tease to kind of, to whet the appetite to tell them what they should be looking forward to i i personally can't wait i really can't wait but uh for those who might not be as familiar well um the way that i would have to describe if i only had one sentence to describe the plot of part six i would say florida man ruins everything (laughs) like just the fact that it takes place in florida should tell you how bizarre this is going (laughs) to be um What I think is really interesting is that right from the beginning of it, you get to see Jotaro again. And, um, you know, because I think a lot of people were kind of treated to, oh, we get like Jotaro starring in part three and then we get him showing up in part four kind of on the side. And then, you know, he shows up again in part six, obviously, because his daughter is the protagonist of that part. Um, You know, I, I also... Like I said, I really like Jolene as a character. I think she is a great example of how to write a good, compelling female character without resorting to um, a lot of like anime tropes and fan service mm-hmm. that, you know, it's just not my thing. Like, no offense to anyone who likes it, but, you know, I would rather have the character be like 
relatable and not um, not just like sexualized. And I, I really don't feel like she is like she has like those moments where she's like, you know, maybe like saying stuff that's TMI or whatever, but it's it's like in a funny way. Mm-hmm. So you would probably describe Julian as a complete package instead of a very one dimensional, typical trope kind of character in anime, right? Yeah, I mean, I would say, like, of course, she is, you know, she's very badass and stuff like that. But, you know, you do see, I I think she's well-rounded overall as a character. Well, thankfully, you know, Part 5 has, you know, finished in Japan, things like that. Uh, So we all we can do now is just wait. And I'm really excited when it, I can't imagine it not being announced at some point, considering that it it only took this long to get, like, the first part of JoJo. And then it's just, just captured the anime world by storm. So I can only, I can only assume it's going to be coming sometime in the near future. Yeah. Although I wouldn't be surprised if stuff was delayed due to coronavirus. Right. Sadly. Well, I mean, sometimes we have to wait a little long for good things, right? Yeah. Uh, I think people will also be really interested in the villain in part six. Um, and just like <laughs> some of the stand abilities. Um, there's one stand that, they're just I don't know how they're gonna do it localized because it is a copyright nightmare. Oh, so um that one will excited. be interesting to see. Uh, yeah. Uh, for for anyone who like knows what I'm talking about, it's a stand called Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh no. Oh man. Oh god, wow. Okay. Oh, and you also get to meet Dio's sons in part. Like Dio's other sons besides Giorno. Ooh, I did not know that. I'm excited now. That's so cool. I, the only thing that I've been told about that, and I won't like say for spoilers, is that there's a interesting character that uh, is from the United States that might be pretty interesting and grab attention. So uh, I'm at least excited. I'm, I'm really excited because I, I, I've been waiting for this one for a while because everyone has been like very hyped on Jolene. I'm like, I need to see it. I need to see yeah. it so bad. But uh, as much as I would love to continue the JoJo chat, there are a few other shows that obviously you've been on when it comes or that you've been cast in that's been on Toonami that I'm sure a lot of fans would like to know at least a little bit about. The one being probably the hottest thing that's come out of Japan in like forever with Demon Slayer. Uh, how much are, how like aware were you of the popularity of the franchise uh, before you were cast as Mitsuri? I was actually aware that it was very, very popular and Mitsuri doesn't really show up until sort of like at the end of this series. So, um, you know, I didn't really expect that I would get to be anybody in the series. Um, you know, I had auditioned like way at the beginning along with, you know, a ton of other girls for Nezuko, but, um, you know, I just, I didn't know if like there would be anybody that I would end up playing and I was like, Oh, you know, that'd be cool, but I can't, you know, can't get too attached to anything or get, get our hopes up for anything. And then when eventually the audition for Mitsuri came around, I was like, okay, that, that'd be really cool. But again, it's like, we just have to kind of do our best and forget about it. And, you know, cause realistically it's like, you'll be auditioning for a ton of stuff that you are just not going to book because there's, a lot of other people auditioning as well. So um, I was like, oh, you know, she has pink hair. Like, I really like uh, pink-haired characters. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that'd be cool. And, you know, I had seen a ton of people cosplaying her at, like, a con I went to with my friends and was just like, oh, man, that character's really popular. Whoever gets to be the voice of her is going to have a good time. <laughs> and, you know, like, I... I can't remember if I had auditioned yet or not at that point but I like didn't think it was going to be me you know um and then when I found out I got it I was like what (laughs) (laughs) um but you know obviously I think 
when you know something is going to be big, there is pressure because you know that with any big show, like, I mean, My Hero Academia is another example. That one's done in Texas. But, you know, I see like when my friends announce their roles and stuff in that and then they, of course, get a lot of support, but they also deal with a lot of criticism because people get really attached to the voices they hear in Japanese and they have like kind of, well, it has to sound this way in English or I won't be happy. And so I was kind of nervous about basically doing the character justice because I knew that she was like a fan favorite character and she was really important to a lot of people. So I just like wanted to get it right. But, you know, obviously I did my best and Hopefully people liked it. Uh, I did. So you have one at least. <laughs> well, no, I, I really like her too, but it was more about her design. I love I love anime characters with uh, like different color hair. Like I love that her oh, tips are different. Like I think that's so cool. I remember uh, Twin Star Exorcist had a character like that. I'm like, I like her. I like the hair. I just, I love that. If it's cheesy as it is, I think it's really cool. I, I And like they, they make it look so beautiful. I love it. I absolutely love they do. Um, at least when it comes to Demon Slayer, uh, obviously you're excited for like all the future stuff that could possibly where you would possibly need an English dub, you know, things like that. Uh, were you, were you expecting it to be as popular? Like before kind of hit, hit everyone that like, Oh crap, like this is going to be kind of my hero academia level to, uh, kind of take your word. Were you, were you and your colleagues kind of expecting that? Well, I mean, by the time that my character came in, it was already like pretty established that this show was going to be popular. Mm. So I was, you know, I kind of was prepared for that already. Okay, okay. Well, hopefully you'll get to do more and get to kind of grow with her. I'm sure I mean, that's probably, I think, at least when it comes to uh, guests that we have, they always seem to really enjoy, like, to continue on with a lot of projects just to get to grow with the character. So hopefully you'll get to do that. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. as fun as it is when you play a new character, one of the things that's really nice about playing a recurring character or, like, coming back for a sequel or another season or whatever is you've already kind of established who this character is. So you get to play a lot more because it's less about, oh, we have to find the character and more about, okay, we know who this character is. We've, you know, experienced this, and now we get to grow even more as them. Definitely. Def and I I'm personally excited just to see more because... I've read the manga, but I actually stopped because I wanted to like see everything kind of play out in the anime too. But and then I'm just like, no, I need to go back to the manga because it's it's really fun. Like I really, I, we have a, uh, I mean, we have a sister podcast, the Demon Slayer podcast. So like they're all about it. We're we're really big into it. And, and yes, they would definitely agree that everyone's been doing a fantastic job with uh, their oh. performances. <laughs> Well, that's great. Yeah, uh, and I do... you know I didn't have a lot of dialogue, but hopefully, I mean, you know, this surely can't be the end. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Although, I mean, let's let's be fair. As I as I at least say, what you guys do is like I could never do. So it's I'm just amazed, even if it's one line. <laughs> Honestly, it's like how'd they do that? <laughs> uh, I do remember that you were pretty excited that you got to be cast in Hunter Hunter as well, which was another huge favorite of Toonami fans as uh, Zushi. In the uh, oh god, the, what was it? The arena arc or something? I forget what uh, where they Heaven's were. Arena? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. What was it? Uh, what did it mean to you getting to be a part of the project? Because personally, I've reviewed almost every uh, episode of the series, and I would call it the gold standard of English dubbing. I thought everyone has been so on point. Not to say other you know other performances have been bad or things like that. It's just I don't know what it is, but the way everyone really clicked with that series was amazing and that would include obviously you guys during that arc too so I'm curious what it meant to you being a part of the project 
Well, um, I actually didn't know too much about Hunter Hunter going into it, but I, you know, it was something that I was like, oh, I really want to do this justice, especially because I have some close friends who are really, really into like the show and cosplay from it and stuff like that. And so I was just like, I want to make my friends proud. Um, you know, I didn't have obviously like a ton of episodes as Zushi, but it was nice that he kind of came back sort of regularly. And one thing that I think was nice about him is that he was just like so wholesome, you know, <laughs> he's just like, he always puts like 110% of his effort into like, yeah, I'm going to do my best and stuff like that. And, you know, it's like, you got to admire that determination. Yeah. And then just like, he, he mixed so well with Gon and Killua during that too. Like you could have mm -hmm. easily put him as like a main character to work with them. And that was actually just like a small challenge vocally too, as um, they didn't want me to sound too close to either of them to where it would be confusing mm -hmm. when the voices overlap or, you know, if these characters talk to each other. So there's a lot of stuff that goes into um, when somebody is casting for a project. And one of that is you kind of have to like, think of how the voices are going to harmonize with each other. I mean, obviously it wouldn't be as big of a deal for a character who doesn't show up a lot, but if you have, let's say three main characters in a show who are all going to talk to each other a lot, you can't have either of them sound too similar to each other. Mm -hmm. No, no, that's a good point. I think that that point might be lost on a lot of uh, people too. I think that's very, very good to at least like point it out. It's like, well, we can't have them all sounding the same. Otherwise who would be talking? I love that. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, you do have to like one thing that I've, of course, tried to improve over the years is my boy voices, because I think a lot of women have like a go to boy voice since they're like almost always played by women in these shows. And then when we have to change it up so that we don't sound too much like someone else who is doing their young boy voice, then it's like we have to, you know, you have to be able to kind of um, go to different like ages, different textures, different, you know, it, it, it's more than just doing like a, a raspy voice sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I guess kind of not necessarily to wrap it up with it comes to Tanami, but is there an anime that you've been cast in that you would want to see on the block, whether it be something like Cells at Work, Grand Blue Fantasy, Tower of God, or even just a series that you weren't cast in that you think would be cool for fans to check out? Oh, Tower of God would be amazing on Tanami. <laughs> like, I feel like it's got like the formula right there. You know, it's like... Mm -hmm. Like, this show is going to be big, I feel like. So, I guess the question of, oh, you really like it is kind of superfluous at this point right now. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I just feel like more people just need to see it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because the people that I have seen around the internet and stuff who are watching Tower of God, whether it's subbed, dubbed, whatever, they're all like, oh, this is so good. Or if they're reading the webtoon, they're like, I love this show and, and stuff like that. But if it were on something like Toonami, then I feel like even more people would see it and then it would just blow up because I've seen that happen with other shows. You know, mm -hmm. I was not to sound like a Jojo hipster, but I was into <laughs> Jojo obviously way before it ever got on Toonami. And I remember some of the Jojo fan base actually being a little concerned because we're just kind of like, you know, we sort of have this community of like Jojo fans. And when mainstream anime fans enter, sometimes it can be a little you know, everyone else mm -hmm. has been like reading and they're like farther along and they kind of have like their theories about the universe. And when someone's like, it was me, Dio or whatever, <laughs> it's like, oh, OK, <laughs> <laughs> we all got that out of our system like yeah. five years ago. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying with that. But I mean, at least for the, like the three shows that I just mentioned, I would 
preferably like all of them especially grand blue i thought your performance as lira was really really impressive because it was it felt like you had to go even higher than you would normally and i was like dang that's pretty good like that was really good playing lyria and i've actually matched that say you a couple times now at least i think but um yeah it was it was a lot of fun it would just made me sad that again people didn't really see it that much yeah. um the mobile game which doesn't have any english voiceover is very popular over here so you know it would have been cool if there was like a little bit more um fan base for the anime but mm-hmm. i don't know i guess you know maybe the game is more popular because it's a gotcha game and all that right but, but hey i'm still holding out hope you know yeah. i'm still holding out hope because i really do love it and Another thing that I think a lot of at least Toonami fans are interested in are video games, and your voice has been in a lot of really high-profile ones. But the one that I think really a lot of people obviously kind of associate with is Nier, uh, this, this game Nier. I played it. My yeah, brother played it. Love it. I think it's really, really fun. I love the animation and all things like that. And it's funny because it always seems like it's staying as popular as it ever was when it first uh, debuted and things like that. And I'm curious how much uh like i wouldn't say changed your life in a sense but just like how much like being a part of a really really amazing game like that meant to you considering uh, your line of work of voice acting well that was one of the projects where i had no idea at the time that we were recording it that it was going to be as big as it was because you know i've worked on a lot of jrpgs and that style of game and stuff and you know it's usually like a small but dedicated group of people who liked the game and most of the times for games that I did prior to that like people didn't really know or care who the English voice actors were or whatever but I think the reason that Nier Automata resonated with people like the number one reason is because it's a game that leaves a really lasting emotional impact on people like you know it's funny because there's people who I think go in and want to play the game they're like oh like I want to play a hot android girl who like beats up these machines but it's like then they're like oh i wasn't expecting to have to question what humanity means and i wasn't expecting to actually like cry over like (laughs) these characters that aren't even human when you get down to it and oh i wasn't expecting that big reveal you know there's like um it's just one of those games that's really really heavy on the feels if you will Mm -hmm. and um i think that was something that kind of lasted with people which I think is probably why people still come up to me or the other cast members and say like, oh, this game meant a lot to me because it's just like the emotional storytelling. Mm-hmm. No, it, it did a very, very good job. I will say too, I remember you cosplayed as 2B, which I was just like, that's pretty cool. I think that was really, yeah. really cool. I've cosplayed Raimi too, by the way. Right, yeah. No, no, no. I, I think that's really cool that you're uh, as passionate not only about voice acting, but to do that too. I think that's super, I, I've never cosplayed just because I don't, first of all the time and everything with that like it's i'm amazed at what people can do so it's just like even the fact that you've done it yourself i'm just like dang that's a that's impressive that is really impressive so i i just i always found that really uh like when i first saw that i was just like oh man that's so freaking cool she's the voice and she's like oh my god how how many people would do a double take if you read a line from it in that cosplay (laughs) Um, well i wish that i you know i haven't really done any new costumes in a while because it's just like 
a lot of money and a lot of effort and, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like a lot that goes into it. But I've done so many variations of Jolene, for example. And um, at some point I would like to make a new Jolene, but I'm going to wait till her anime design is revealed because then everyone's going to be like, oh, you got to you got to cosplay the anime design. So <laughs> Jeez, then don't make it easy, do you? <laughs> um, but uh, kind of to wrap this up, to finish it up. Is there any type of project that you can talk about that you want to promote or have other listeners uh like know about i remember listening to uh interview you did like a few years back about a humanitarian shelter so if anything like that that you want to throw out to like people should check out and whatnot oh well that is actually a cat rescue organization called kitten rescue la Mm -hmm. and you know obviously something that i'm very passionate about is homeless cats and kittens deserve love and care and to find permanent homes and have the medical care that they need and things like that. So I always encourage people to consider donating to cat rescue if you can. God, who doesn't like to help kittens, right? <laughs> I actually used to work in their nursery some years ago and I would bottle feed kittens. Oh, that's adorable. Oh God. I'm sure that not only uh, the people who work there, but the kittens greatly appreciated that. <laughs> well, it depends. Kittens can be brats. Oh, oh, okay. Kara, that's pretty much everything I have. I hope that uh, this was an enjoyable interview. I hope it wasn't too painful or anything along those oh, lines. No, of course <laughs> it's not painful. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. It was such an honor and a pleasure to get... I believe this might have been the first time that Toonami Faithful has been able to talk with you about something, too. So I'm like, that's so exciting. Yeah, I think so, too. Nice, nice. Well, uh, and if it happened before I was part of TF, then it didn't count. So it's okay. Even if it did, even did, it's, it's all right. But, uh, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Make sure to check us out on all different types of outlets. You can find us everywhere. Apple, iTunes, stuff, Spotify, radio, like everything you can find us in. So make sure to come check us out. And anyway, thank you for listening. And have a wonderful day. 